Good guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, let, let's dive into this stuff, uh, Stephen. What is the what is the biggest piece of Horn Frog news coming out of Fort Worth this week? I mean, that's a good place to start. Um, probably Mike Miles. Football rolls along, but I feel like the spring game is going to happen a week from tomorrow. Um, so you're just kind of getting nuggets from practice every now and then. But uh, Mike Miles had declared for the NBA draft about two weeks ago. And at the time he did that, he said he didn't expect to come back to college. He really didn't open the door to having any eligibility left or trying to use his remaining eligibility, I should say. And then he suddenly just kind of changed his mind, so he wanted to run it back with his group. Um, so I feel like it vaults this team into a place where they're probably going to be preseason top 25 next year, which is an unusual spot for uh, that program. And um, I, I think they're going to be aggressive in the transfer portal now, trying to add some talent, trying to capitalize on getting one more year of uh, his talent along with this core group of guys that made it to round two of the NCAA tournament. So um, that was really the big news of the week. And I I didn't think we'd be talking a lot of basketball in April, but um, it's significant that he's going to come back and uh, play his junior season in Fort Worth. uh, Stephen, are you surprised that the transfer portal is as active as it is in college basketball? It's almost like the one and done was for, for many, many years with college basketball. Now, guys that are even on teams that win championships are jumping in the portal right and left. Yeah, I mean, it, it is sort of like free agency. I think there's a lot of things at play there. Um, one of them being, and we talked about it when it started to come down, or just the uniqueness of it and maybe the problems that would cause. But everybody has eligibility left, right? Like there's with the COVID rules that were put down, um, there's so many guys that can play an extra season or an extra couple seasons. Maybe they've graduated and they want to play, keep playing college basketball, but at their current school, you know, there's other players coming in. It's sort of time for them to move on. So they say, okay, well, let me hop in the portal real quick and see if anybody wants to uh, put me on their roster for another year. Um, there's obviously just the log jam of if you're not starting or you're not playing somewhere, you know, a young player that gets to a school and realizes, huh, I'm kind of buried on the depth chart here. I'll hit the portal as well. Uh, But I think teams, there are a lot of teams now that are using it to their advantage. Um, And I I don't really feel like there's a school in the country that's not trying to use the transfer portal to get some immediate talent and fill some holes on their roster. So uh, it's probably not great for, you know, the high school kids that are coming in. It it probably puts them down a little bit as far as the the options that they'll have. Um, But it's kind of here and it's it's, um, part of the process now. And, everybody's using it so uh, i think it's it's here to stay but college basketball has really been the sport as you've mentioned ward that has uh, been the the most active with it because i think you know everybody feels like it's, it's a shorter rotation shorter roster if we just get a couple guys out of the portal then we can immediately be um you know a lot better the next season so i feel like for coaches that are trying to uh you know keep their job they're trying to sort of renew energy around the program that's a popular choice. Jamie Dixon did it last year. He really changed over his whole roster and the transfer portal, and it's a risky thing to do, uh, but if it pays off, it can work for you, and, and now he has a new contract. Assembly, from the, the portal in basketball to the portal in football, right now when you look at uh, Jaden Jones from SMU, he's obviously familiar with the TCU staff, uh, but they're in the running for him. What are the odds of the Frogs landing him? I think they're pretty good. I mean, that familiarity is obviously there, as you said. Now, the defensive staff is different. That's one interesting thing about this. There are some holdovers from SMU, but Joe Gillespie was at uh, Tulsa the last few seasons. 
However, I mean, he knows Sonny Dykes. He knows uh, who these guys are. They're they're right down the street, essentially. Um, yeah, they're not making friends with SMU people, trying to poach some more players. Uh, but I think Jaden Jones would make a lot of sense. He's a little undersized. I don't know what you know his his frame would uh, roll out to be or how much weight he could kind of put on. He's, I think he's listed at like 245. Um, which in a three-man front I think is a little a little light, but maybe they kind of have him more in an outside linebacker role. Um, he's still really young. He hasn't played a lot at SMU, and honestly it seems like his commitment to the program hasn't really been there. So I would have some concerns about that. I've heard he was sort of in and out of spring practice, and some people thought it was an injury. Some people thought it was some personal things going on. Uh, but I think TCU's the team to beat. I honestly don't even really know how many other teams – or in the running, it, it seems like he's ready to go, and, and TCU kind of had a heads up that he was he was ready to make that move. Uh, so let, let's bounce around a little bit more. Let's head over to the uh, to the baseball diamond. Uh, a big weekend last weekend, and a, another big weekend this weekend. Uh, this time, though, in Fort Worth, as the Frogs welcome in Texas Tech, and the Red Raiders are are playing well at twenty seven and nine, seven and two in the league, and the uh, Frogs at seven and five in conference play. So this turns into another big weekend for TCU baseball. It does, and uh, yeah, it's important that they find a way to try to scrap out a series win here. It's gonna be very difficult. You mentioned the accolades Tech has; they're just mashing the ball as they always do. Uh, it's in Fort Worth, which should help a little bit because they play so, Tech plays so so well in Lubbock, but. Um, I don't know, Tom. This lineup's really struggling, this TCU lineup. You know, the bottom third of their lineup, the seven, eight, nine hitters have struggled all year long. Um, guys like Porter Brown, Reed Spinrath, Logan Maxwell. And, I mean, they're they're all relatively young players, but we're more than halfway through the season now. So I just feel like that's going to be a limitation all year. Um, you know, their offense was able to make up for some of their deficiencies early in the season by getting a lot of free passes, drawing walks, you know, bunting and getting on getting hit by pitches um, I think the last few weeks they've faced some better pitching and honestly just guys that are in more command and throwing strikes more and that's put them behind in the count which has been an issue so um, need to find a way I think tonight's game is really important because Riley Cornelio is their best chance to win a ball game and they've been really good with him on the mound early in the year but they're 0-2 the last couple Friday nights this will be a Thursday night uh, playing Texas Tech to open the series but if you can find a way to win that series opener, then it's a lot more manageable to say, okay, can we just split on Friday or Saturday? If you, if you lose tonight, then um, I, I think Tech's just a deeper team, and it's going to be really tough to find a way to win two in a row against the Red Raiders. But, yeah, I'm starting to get concerned. I mean, it's a really tough schedule that they have, and they're still over 500 in the league. Um, but at a certain point, like, losses are losses. You know, they can be against really good teams. They can be against top five, top ten teams. But when you look at the resume – it's still a loss, and you can only afford to pile so many of those up before I think you know your postseason kind of comes into question. They're not there yet, but they play Tech this week, and they play Oklahoma State and Stillwater, and they travel to uh, Tallahassee to take on Florida State. And I just think if you can't find a way to steal one of these series, and all of a sudden you look up and you're below 500 or you're sitting at 500 with a couple more conference series left, uh, that puts a lot of pressure on you as a ball club. So it would be huge if they could – um, get a uh, or find a way to win tonight, and then you know scrap out one more on Friday and Saturday, and that would obviously be a big feather in the cap, knocking off uh, Texas Tech, even though it's at home. Steven, is there anybody emerging out of the Frogs bullpen that you want the the ball to be in their hand? Man, they're pretty thin there, honestly. Now, one thing that really uh, confused me all year long is so Garrett Wright is a guy. 
He's a sophomore. He's from College Station. He's got really electric stuff. Uh, now, you don't know where the ball's going. They call him Wild Thing Right. He's kind of got, you know, a major league vibe to him. Like, he's just throwing it all over the place. But when he's throwing, pumping in strikes, um, you know, he's he's been really effective. But he hasn't had that many appearances this year. He got in uh, on Sunday afternoon against Texas for a couple innings when it was his first time in about a month throwing the ball, and he didn't look good. I just think he's a guy, Ward, that you're going to have to work, uh, work some, you know, you're going to have to deal with some bad innings, but I feel like he needs to pitch more. Like, if he can just consistently get more on the mound, kind of get a feel for where the plate is, uh, then he could be an asset for you. But they had to move Marcelo Perez in the starting rotation because Austin Croak's hurt. And so now um, Caleb Bolden has been good for them. You know, River Ridings has been their closer all year. Uh, Luke Savage has kind of emerged as a player that can give you good innings in high-leverage situations. But honestly, like those three guys I mentioned, if Marcelo's in the starting rotation, that's about it. And that's a, that's a really small list, especially if you don't have front-line starters that are going deep into games, which right now they, they don't have that luxury. So um, that's one of the issues they're going to have to figure out here down the stretch. They need someone to emerge. Uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing Garrett Wright get some more innings, even if it means he has a few rough ones, just because I feel like he's the type of player that could, that could do some good things for you as the season comes to a close. Let's shake this up before we get you out of here, Simi. Uh, I want to talk some Mavs. Uh, Mavs have a big, you know, coming up against the Jazz. We have Tim Cato coming up. What are your overall thoughts on the Mavs, Luka's injury, and what are you expecting in the series against the Jazz? Well, yeah, that calf strain is really what is taking everybody's attention. Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to give it a go. I, I doubt he plays on Saturday, uh, but if I, I think eventually, Garrett, he's going to play. I, I would imagine – you know, by game three, he's probably out there at least trying to see if he can make it work. Um, you know, the Jazz are struggling right now. Like, they've got some in, in uh, turmoil inside that organization, it seems like. I know Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, there's been some drama between them. Um, they've had some fourth-quarter collapses late in the season that have led them to be in the five seed. So, being at home should help. Um, I feel like if Doncic is out for the first couple games, they have to find a way you know, to steal one of those, uh, you can, if, if it's one, one and he's back in the, in the rotation, then I think you can survive. If you fall down two Oh, then obviously that's a much bigger hill to climb. But, um, I mean, it, it's hard to think about the Mavs without him, even though they've been competitive, you know, in the regular season without him, it's a different intensity level in the playoffs. You know, the defense ratchets up a little bit. Guys have to be able to create their own shot, make tough shots. And he's uh, honestly like he's the only guy on the team that can do that. Spencer Dinwiddie's a dude that can score. So is Jalen Brunson, but they're both guys that do it more in the flow of the offense and off of the action and the attention that Luca creates uh, by kind of taking command. So uh, I like the Mavs' chances if he's healthy. If he's not, then you know it, I'm, I'm not really breaking any news. They, I don't think they can get it done. But uh, yeah, it's a fascinating series, and I think it's a big series for Dallas. So you know I don't see them being able to take down the Suns if. Um, Phoenix can hold serve as the number one seed in round two, but they haven't, I mean, they have not won a first round series since 2011 when they won a title. Like, that's a long time for a franchise yeah. under Mark Cuban that's had a lot of success. And, uh, you know, generally in those series that they've lost, they've been the underdog. They've been a seven seed or an eight seed, a six seed, trying to pull off an upset, having to go on the road. But here they have home court advantage. You know, it's, it's a four or five matchup, so it's a pretty even one. But they, this is a series they should win. And um, if, if they can't find a way to get it done, even with the Luka injury, it'll be super disappointing. The uh, podcast is locked on Horn Frogs, and uh, we're talking with Stephen Simcox. Stephen, what do you got coming up on the, uh, on the podcast? 
Yeah, plenty of coverage of uh, baseball and, uh, you know, basketball offseason news. And then, uh, as I said, we kind of start the segment here. Spring football uh, rolls along. Their spring game will be a week from tomorrow. So uh, we'll get that wrapped up and have plenty of uh, coverage of that as the week goes on. And, yeah, it's locked on Horn Frogs wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm also on YouTube now. So um, if you prefer to uh, consume it that way, Locked on Horn Frogs is the YouTube channel you can subscribe to. Thanks, guys. Happy uh, 